All right, so tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about fiber and protein and how that is going to um, affect your diet and then also how that relates to diabetes. So what is fiber? Fiber, it, it, dietary fiber consists of those non-digestible carbohydrates and fiber has a huge role in delaying our stomach from emptying quickly and reducing blood cholesterol concentrations. So it kind of goes back to fiber makes us feel full and just kind of slows everything down so we don't have those significant increases in blood sugars and then those, those quick drops. Um, also, when we have fiber, it kind of acts like a vacuum in our bloodstream and vacuums out those cholesterol molecules. So anytime we increase our fiber intake, it does have a good effect on our cholesterol levels. What are the fiber intake recommendations? So adequate intake for men is 38 grams per day, and for women it's 25 grams per day. This amount was based on the American Heart Association and what amount of fiber they observed to actually help protect, protect against um, coronary artery disease. So it's not necessarily based on age or weight, it's just more of a recommendation for females and males. The average intake of fiber is about 16 grams per day, but I would say sometimes what I hear from patients, they might not even get that in a day. So it's really important to try to increase fiber. So what is the relationship between fiber, satiety, and weight? Well, there's not much of a difference in actual pounds, but the individuals with higher fiber intake uh, definitely had some significant health benefits. So people with high fiber intakes weigh about only a pound to a pound and a half less than those with low fiber intakes, but the great fiber intake also decreased appetite five 5%. So it, it just kind of helps curb that appetite. Uh, effects are not necessarily huge, but they're meaningful in an environment where weight gain is the norm and obesity is an epidemic. Plus, with diabetes, if you have a greater, if you have a appetite and you never feel satisfied, then you probably might overeat those carb choices and then that's where we can see those blood sugar increases. So anything that we can do to help kind of curb that appetite is good. Satiety, it's the feeling of fullness that persists after eating. It affects the length of time between eating events and possibly the amount of calories consumed at the next event. So satiety can just tide you over from meal to meal. Um, it can hopefully get you from a snack to a meal, something that will keep your belly full. Uh, and also it's infected by that fiber and how much calorie intake you take. Uh, we wanna make sure that we're not over um, taking in those carb choices. So if we can have things that are higher in fiber that help us feel full, hopefully we can decrease our snacking. So what are some fiber-rich foods? Well, the good thing about fiber-rich foods is they tend to require more chewing than low-fiber foods. So a great example is a fresh apple compared to apple juice. A fresh apple you have to bite into, you have to chew that piece up, you have to swallow it, and you have to continue to do that for several bites until you eat the whole fresh apple. But if you just have apple juice, what do you have to do to consume that? You just have to swallow. So more chewing may limit the food you intake because it increases saliva and incre increases gastric juice, which makes sense. Every time you're taking a bite, your mouth is producing saliva and your stomach is producing um, stomach gastric juices to digest it, and then it expands the stomach, making us feel full. So who, you know, we just feel a little bit more, more satisfied after we have that apple versus that apple juice. 
some simple food swaps that we want to talk about with increasing fiber. And for breakfast, instead of having cornflakes, eat oatmeal. That oatmeal just has more fiber than the plain cornflakes. Uh, we talked about the apple juice. Instead of having the apple juice, eat an apple. And instead of an omelet in the morning, which is just a fat and a protein, have some low-carb veggies with it, some peppers, some onions, some mushrooms, some things that kind of fill us up but don't necessarily increase our carbohydrate intake but have fiber as well. Increasing fiber also improves the overall quality of our diet because naturally high fiber foods are packed with vitamins, minerals, and phytochemicals. So examples like we've talked about already is fruits and vegetables. If we increase our fruits and vegetables, we increase our fiber intake, but we're also getting some very um, important vitamins and minerals from those fruits and vegetables. Almonds. I think this one was one that was kind of surprising that it was pretty high in fiber. I definitely think of it as being high in protein, but I didn't realize it's the highest fiber nut and it also contains the most calcium and antioxidant vitamin E compared to the other nuts. So really almonds has been getting a lot of press and probably rightfully so. Uh, they can also help lower total and LDL cholesterol and have been shown to help lower blood glucose impact of carbs with which they are eaten. So if you would have these almonds as a snack and you would have maybe an apple, it would just help keep that blood sugar stable. If you would just eat um, an apple, you might see a little bit more of a rise in the blood sugar or if you're eating junk food candy, you're definitely gonna see a spike in the blood sugar and then a drop. The almonds with the protein and the fiber kind of help stabilize that blood sugar out a little bit. And that's what we want. We don't want a lot of peaks and valleys with our blood sugars. We want a smooth ocean. <laughs> Artichokes, uh, probably not one that we would necessarily think of as our favorite fiber food, but it's pretty good. One medium artichoke has 10.3 grams of fiber, excellent source of vitamin C, and a good source of folate and magnesium, which is especially important for women. Uh, high in antioxidants, which may reduce oxidative stress um, and damage known to contribute to aging and many diseases and conditions. So oxidative stress can be in our muscles and our tendons and our joints, um, these things kind of just naturally, uh, that oxidative stress attacks things as we age, um, but foods that are high in antioxidants kind of help reduce that as well. Avocados, I think is also pretty popular in the news right now. Avocados provide around 54% daily value for fiber. It's a nutrient-dense fruit. It provides plenty of uh, vitamin C, E, K, and B6, as well as folate, potassium, magnesium, and significant amounts of beta-carotene and lutein. And beta-carotene is what you um, see in carrots with the vitamin A as well. Uh, the fats in avocado is also heart healthy and monounsaturated. And I think that's what it's been the news most for lately is being a heart healthy fruit with that heart healthy fat, but it also increases the absorption of A, D, E, and K. So it's very important to have uh, foods that help us absorb other vitamins. So as long as, um, as well as being heart healthy, it's also high in fiber. Raspberries, uh, I asked the question a couple times when we talked about this before, you know, who thinks of raspberries as being high fiber? No one really ever shook their head either. So we think of, you know, the apple having the skin that has the fiber, and we think of the pear having the skin that has the fiber, but we don't necessarily think of berries. And raspberries are pretty high in fiber. Uh, raspberries have twice the amount of fiber compared to blueberries and strawberries. One cup of raspberries has eight grams of fiber, which is about a third of the recommendation. So it's a pretty good 
pretty good deal. Um, it's also something that's cold, something that we might you know crave compared to some of the avocados and other things. Excellent source of vitamin C, uh, and then also a good source of the cancer-fighting antioxidants um, and fermentation of the raspberry seeds by the gut bacteria, and it may help lower the serum triglycerides and, and cardiovascular risk. And that's something Terry talked about with the triglycerides, making sure that we're lowering those as well. Okay, so that concludes the fiber part. Now we're going to talk a little bit about protein. The biggest thing we want to emphasize with protein is that age demands greater protein needs. I think that most, most uh, people's conception is that if I'm not 20 or 30 and I'm not lifting weights and bulking up, I don't need extra protein. But it's actually opposite. When, as we age, we need that protein. Uh, protein benefits bone health as well. And getting enough protein is as important as getting enough calcium and vitamin D. So I think that's really important. We kind of, we kind of focus on calcium and, and vitamin D for our bones, but we don't really focus on the protein for our bones, and we need to. Higher protein um, does uh, pose a risk to older people only when they suffer from some kind of kidney function. So sometimes there's been comments or concerns, well, if I eat way too much protein, it's going to be hard on my kidneys and they're not going to function properly. So this is just saying only if you have a kidney diagnosis would you have to restrict your protein. Otherwise, as an adult, you can eat pretty much as much protein as you want. Muscle loss. So not only do older people progressively lose muscle as they age, but also their physiolo physiology resists them from building new muscle. Muscle loss ranges anywhere from a half a percent to 2% of total muscle mass each year, starting around age 50. And to be honest, I think that it probably starts way sooner than age 50. We see muscle loss and muscle tone deterioration. Uh, the good news though, that after age 50, getting enough high quality protein in the diet coupled with physical activity can help overcome that resistance. So this kind of t um, goes with what uh, we were talking about earlier with Terry is that you have to have that resistive exercise to help with the muscles and the the bone structure and you have to have the protein that kind of all work hand in hand you can't just do one you have to do all of them protein recommendations um, this is going to get kind of wordy but I'll, I'll break it down to be a little simpler um, the recommended daily allowance states that you should get 8.8 .8 grams of protein for every kilogram of weight so one kilogram is comparable to about 2.2 pounds. So let's just say I weigh 200 pounds. If I would divide that by two, I would weigh 100 kilograms. And I would need 0.8 grams of protein for every kilogram. So a 200 pound person would need about 80 grams of protein. That's basically how it breaks down to. Research indicates that protein requires increase with, increase with the age, and so that actually they're recommending anybody over the age of 65 should take in about 1 to 1 1.2 uh, grams of protein for every kilogram of body weight. So what this is stating there is that, it, once again, if I weigh 200 pounds, but I'm over, I, I'm over 65, I would want to eat at least 100 grams of protein, if not around 120 grams of protein. One of the most important things I came across is making sure that you eat protein at all three meals. Some experts believe that equally distributing the protein over three meals during the day is just as important as getting the protein as well. So anybody that's a diabetic, we talk about how important it is to spread our carb throughout the day, right? 
We, we don't want you to have one carb choice for breakfast, one choice for noon, and then all these choices in the evening. We want those to be pretty equal throughout the day over your meals and possibly snacks. So this is a recommendation that um, adults should have about 30 grams of protein at every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, so like breakfast, that would be one egg and some veggie sausages, things like that. Making sure that we're having some high quality protein at your noon meal and the evening meal. Uh, I think that this is a good point because a lot of times we see that the older we get, the more we try to eat something that's very simple and we don't want to cook or, or maybe it's just, you know, we're by ourselves, things like that. A lot of times they, they stated like seniors and elderly people just have tea and toast or coffee for breakfast or toast for breakfast. Um, they don't really have a lot of those um, things that are higher in protein and those things that are hi not high in protein are just all carbs and so we're not we're not getting that slow stomach emptying we're getting the spike in the blood sugar and the decrease in blood sugar high protein snacking so snacking can be good but we want to make sure it's healthy and goes with our carb choices uh, most common snacks unfortunately are chips and soda which are both high in salt and high in sugar and increased Increased snacking of these natures are also associated with decreased protein intake. So say for instance, I had a, I had a decent lunch time, but at three o'clock I decided to have a bag of chips and a, and a soda. Well then it, when it comes to the evening, I'm probably not gonna really be hungry uh, like I would if I wouldn't have had those chips and soda. And then I probably wouldn't eat as much meat in the evening, so I'm not eating as much protein. So you can see how it could trigger that to in, have a lower protein intake. Uh, research so snacks high in protein rather than high in salt and sugar can also post, um, a, you know, have a very good health benefits as well by providing that satiety. So if we have those high protein snacks in between meals, we're going to feel satisfied, and then when it comes to our next meal, we're not going to overeat junk food, you know, some or junk stuff. You know, if we skip a meal, we're t we tend to overeat the other meal the next meal behind it, and it's not usually the healthy stuff. We tend to grab something that's a little bit more processed, a little bit quicker, fast food. Blood glucose. So our main part is making sure that we have the high protein snacks that can also help maintain the normal blood glucose levels. If we have that protein intake three times a day, our glucose levels are going to be pretty stable compared to... Also, improvement in blood sugar was due to um, improved insulin action rather to increase concentrations of insulin. So what this is showing is that when you have that increased blood sugars, it, it's becoming decreased with our insulin concentrations as we eat those high protein snacks. Um, some health benefits and one that I didn't really think about uh, is the high protein diet might actually help lower the risk of hypertension. So consuming about 100 grams of protein a day has been linked to a 40% lower risk of high blood pressure. So it's helping us become a little bit more heart healthy. And that makes sense because most of the protein foods like the, um, that are high in protein also can be um, heart healthy, help with those things. Also, if you have high blood sugar, or excuse me, high blood pressure, and then you start eating high protein and watching things a little bit better, you can also see a decrease in your blood pressure as well. Um, they showed high protein diets can show lower, um, lower systolic and diastolic uh, blood pressure after four years. Here's some examples of some protein-rich snacks. Lentils, one cup has 18 grams of protein. Greek, plain, non-fat, so not with all the 
dessert or junk stuff mixed into it, but the plain Greek yogurt, six ounces, 17 grams of protein. Kidney beans, one cup of kidney beans has 15 grams of protein. I always use kidney beans when I make chili. They taste good and they're good for you. Uh, protein bars, I know there's a ton of different granola bars, snack bars, all these, all these different bars when you go to the grocery store, but just make sure you're looking at the bar and it's not too high of calories or fat compared to what you're getting for protein. And make sure you're picking a bar that actually has protein. Some of the snack granola bars have virtually no fiber or protein, so make sure you're picking a healthy one. Uh, Low-fat cottage cheese, a half a cup has 12 grams. I do remind people though that cottage cheese is a sneaky source of sodium. So if you do have to watch your salt uh, for heart reasons, a half a cup of cottage cheese has 400 milligrams of sodium. So it's a great snack in regards to protein and it's low carb, but it's high in salt. Uh, almonds, a fourth of a cup of almonds have eight grams of protein. So the almonds, you're getting the protein and the fiber. So that's a good, good snack. Uh, eight ounces of skim milk. I think this is th something that we just forget. A lot of times these uh, kids and young athletes think they have to buy all this protein powder to bulk up and, and stay in shape after they work out, but a glass of, of white whole, uh, excuse me, white uh, skim milk, eight ounces is eight grams of protein. It's a good source. And one large boiled egg has six grams of protein. And there again, just remember that one egg yolk contains your daily allowance of cholesterol. So if you have high cholesterol or any heart disease, you wanna make sure that you're only doing about two eggs per week egg yolks. This is just kind of a funny picture. You know, where do you get your protein from? So it's, you know, it's showing that if you don't eat meat, then you're skinnier. And if you eat meat, then you're, then you're overweight. Well, that's not true. We have to just pick those high quality protein sources and, and, and limit our portions. We can't just overeat those things. We just have to have the good sources. Um, we talked about this already, you know, making sure that we have protein uh, three times a day and consuming that. It's pretty important. Uh, making sure that we eat protein in the morning because if we don't have protein in the morning, it's been leaked to decrease um, concentration, performance, hunger, and poor eating habits throughout the day. Uh, eating the equal amounts of protein at three meals a day, similar to the carbohydrate intake recommendations. And I just wanted to reiterate that it's a pretty important point. We wanna make sure that we're spreading our carbs throughout the day and we wanna make sure that we're spreading our protein throughout the day.